You're listening to the No Regrets Podcast with Kate. I am your host, Kate Hutchinson, author, healer, soul searcher. No Regrets is about healing. Healing the limiting beliefs that are holding you back from living the life you dream of. On this podcast, everyday people of all ages share their journey through this thing called life. Let their stories inspire you to never wonder what if and live with no regrets. All right, well, welcome to a new episode of No Regrets Podcast with Kate. And today I am with not only Angela Lawson, but Jennifer Schulte. And I wanted them to talk today, I don't know too much about it, but the topic of being sober curious has been coming up a lot. And these two have been sober curious. Now, Angela has been a little bit sober curious a little bit longer than Jen has. Jen's new to the journey. And even though she doesn't feel like she might not bring anything to the table, I think she will because... You know, it can be a struggle and it could be a struggle for anything that we want to change in our life. So I thought it would be really good to talk to both of them today about being sober curious. So welcome, ladies. I'm waving to them on Skype. I'm so excited. This is fun. (laughs) Yeah. So who wants to go first? Angela? Um, I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I was pulling up the book, too, that kind of got me started and we talked about it a little bit last week but the um, unexpected joy of being sober and that was the one that I read and I felt like it was such a good um, kind of cross section it gave a little science but it also validated how I feel like how I think because I think we drinkers have a certain or anybody with addiction but particularly drinkers I think have this inner voice or at least I do um, but yeah, I was, I was 60 days sober yesterday, which really? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah. And best thing I could have ever done. The first week was hard, like first five to nine days, particularly hard. Cause you're trying to, and I, I'm sh- sure Jen, you probably know what I'm talking about. You know, when you're trying to redo your evening schedule, like for me, that was the hardest, but yeah. I don't know about you. Um, I would say my, uh, and Kathleen can remember this, but my first um, five to seven days were, I mean, I would define it as hellish, to be yeah. honest. I mean, uh, the anxiety, the, like, I didn't feel well. I don't, you know, I didn't have tremors or anything like that, but I was genuinely outside of my skin. And I think that was also was strange. Like, I'd made the decision that I kind of wanted to stop drinking, but I didn't know I was going to make the decision to try to, like, stop for a long time. I just was like, I need a break. And then when I went through the physical and mental anguish, I'm like, something's not right here. Like if my body and my mind is responding to not having alcohol for a week to this level, it, I'm probably depending on alcohol too much. (laughs) And that was actually the beginning of my journey, which my journey started about 30 days ago. Well, congratulations. Cause that's a big thing. I think there's a shift at 30 days, or at least that's what my sober coach said. And, and I felt it, it was like, Wow, that's such a big milestone, I think. And by that time, your brain's had some time to adjust. And then you can start. For me, I feel like, okay, now I can kind of sit with these feelings that are uncomfortable that keep coming up that used to. It's like all I wanted to do was like pour a glass and just be like, I don't want to feel this and stuff it down. And I think at 30 days, it's you start feeling like, okay, I can, I, I think I can start doing some of this, this work. Mm-hmm. 
that's funny you said that because I was I always wonder like does everyone go through this but the amazing like you get these memories and all of a sudden there's this like uncomfortable emotion and you're like so now what do I do with this one yeah. and my friend is she's a she's decided to stop smoking and she said to me and I thought it was the most amazing thing that anyone has ever said she was like it's like you had this friend and you have to now get rid of this friend who was on your side every time, not necessarily making you feel good. And at the same time, you're like confronting this old you and it's a confrontation because it's, it's all you ever remember about yourself. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. I mean, and that's so true because I think it's that, oh good. I was, I was gonna pull up a quote that was similar to that, I, but keep talking, but I love that because we've talked about before, like, I definitely have this voice and Belle from that tired of thinking about drinking, she calls it like Wolfie. And it's that one that, you know, belittles you and you become intimate with this voice and, and you hear it over anything else. And it is, it's like having this really bad influence of a friend, friend, you know, that, that says you're going to fail anyway, you might as well drink, you know? And so you have to get through that and you have to become the person to like be in control of that, that voice or cut ties to that, that bad, bad friend. Yeah. And I think uh, the interesting part is like that moment where I, I think a lot of people probably have this with lots of things, whether it's like working out, not eating poorly, but it's that moment where you're like, what's the point? And that is a very loud voice. And again, it's like when you make these very conscious decisions, whether it's alcohol, stopping smoking, losing weight, like the voice seems very, very loud. The like, what's the point of this? Why are you bothering? Because it is hard. Like, I would have never said this before. I would have never even thought that like someone like me, who's a pretty controlling person, didn't always like, I wasn't chugging bottles of vodka. I wasn't taking shots. I wasn't waking up in the morning wanting alcohol. I mean, that wasn't my story, but I certainly was using it to numb often enough for it to be a problem. Right. And that's a big point of that too. And I think that's why Sober Curious has gotten so popular popular because um, a lot of us have high bottoms. You know, it's not like it took a DUI to, to get us, you know, wanting to do that. Uh, through the grace of God, I'm, I might add, because, you know, I've made terrible choices through the years. But I think whenever you're a, a low bottom, like it sounds like both of us are, or, I mean, a high bottom, you're not going to have your friends are going to go, you're fine. What do you mean you have a drinking problem? Oh. You're fine. You <laughs> have a drink. And then, you know, and, and then it's like we deserve an Oscar for I think the the acting because I people around me don't know or didn't know I mean very I mean my husband of course had seen me at my worst but I don't know about you but you know you you get to where you're pretty sly and cunning and it becomes part of your just how you think unfortunately well and also different in different circumstances different yeah. different people Um, and like, I think that was the thing. And if you you, like literally took the words out of your mouth, because I'd been telling Kathleen, like one of the hardest things about the journey has been that I was probably one of the lower drinkers in my group of friends. Like I was not the person who would go and be like, yes, pour me shots. Like I just wasn't that girl. It was a wine one. I like wanted wine and I wasn't always chugging it. It wasn't every time. And so everybody sits there and is like, you don't have a problem, Jen. Like, I don't understand. And so you like almost your mind starts tricking you into being like, am I making a bigger deal out of this than it is? Because I don't feel well. 
when I drink and I feel great when I don't now. So like, I'm trying to uh, kind of identify that strength inside that says like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> this is right for me. I love it. And that's what you got to do. And honestly, I mean, I guess we can cuss on this, but there, the whole thing is like this F you Wolfie. Like if I, especially those first 30 days and every time I'd hear that voice, I'd be just like F you. Yeah. Stop it. You know? And it's like, you have to control that, that lower self that is bubbling up. And, you know, it's the self-critical script that just keeps coming up. And, and then there's the justification, like you're saying, you're like, well, maybe I'm just making this up, but the test is, or what I think, I don't think anybody else was thinking about drinking as much as I was all the time. I was like, I, it, it consumed me. When am I, you know, I'm going to get home. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I, and I needed to make sure that there was enough wine. And when I stopped drinking and kind of sorted through that, I thought I spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about do I have enough? Do I have a mixer? Am I going to be, I really don't want to be out after dark because I'm not going to be able to drive. So when I have everything, you know, and it's just crazy. Yeah. Or even just like the not wanting to go to certain places or do certain things because the alcohol wasn't going to be there. Like it, just yes. like it was going to be a good enough time. Again, not with every single person, but like there was just a very core, like a, with most people, you'd be like, I can't imagine this event being a good time without alcohol at some point in that day. And so it's interesting when you're like, I guess, 30 days or 60 days for you in and you're like, I have a lot of more time now and then I do so much more and I'm so much happier. This is very strange. And the sleep, <laughs> I thought that's what was making me happy. Right. The sleep is so good, right? Oh, the sleep is everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, that's like my new drug. I told Kathleen, I've never slept. I mean, I'll, I'll say a couple things. I always thought that I was like this very depressed, sad, anxious person and just didn't sleep well. That's like my story. And I just don't sleep well. And that's just not the case. I mean, I'm sleeping seven to eight solid hours a night now. And I don't wake up super anxious. I have better confidence. Like, it's kind of crazy. I would say that. Like, you ever want to go on an antidepressant, make sure you stop drinking first because you might not need it. <laughs> this is it's so true. And this is so, it's so um, what this bell, again, she's, I signed up as this, she's a sober coach. And that was kind of, that's been the really good thing for me that I'm accountable to somebody. And she tells that story. It's like so many of us who, you know, we, we were drinking to cope with these anxiety, depression, which I'm on antidepressants. Um, and I, and I was drinking with them. What a ding dong. I mean, I'm lucky I didn't have a stroke, but, um, but you're right. Once it stops now, not to say those, those issues aren't still there, like with the anger or whatever, but totally different, manageable. It's like you, you have a clear mind and, but it takes a good amount of time for your brain to kind of just dry out a little bit so you can start thinking properly and then begin using those synapses you didn't before and filling them in with new coping mechanisms. Yeah. I know. I'm sure, Kathleen, you have questions. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's fascinating because, and we've talked to Jen and I have talked about it. It's like, you're not an alcoholic. And we've all said like, you don't have a problem, you know, but we realize, okay, she may not be an alcoholic, but there is a problem because it's a crutch or there's a dependency on it. So I think that's where 
the differentiation is when it becomes just a crutch, whether, cause she could go, I don't know about you, Angela, but she could go a long time without drinking if she wanted to, like if she yeah. just didn't feel like it, it wasn't like a big deal. But then I think as you start doing the work, just of the self analysis, the, the mindfulness, you start realizing. And she had made a comment recently. I think it was just a few days ago. How like she thought I was so good because I can control it, like the drinking. And I said, but that's not my crutch. Like I don't, I I think about food in the same way, you know, where I I would much rather have pizza or a cheeseburger versus coming home and pouring myself a glass of wine. I'm more of a social drinker or I can have two or three and I'm totally fine or not drink at all, depending on the company as we've talked about, like And then somebody had said to me, gosh, it's been a while, but, and I kind of relate it to Jen, how they just need to drink around certain people to make it enjoyable. And that says a lot too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the differentiation of, I think, being a true alcoholic and then just it being a problem, a numbing device or whatnot. And I don't know what that science is or what that definition is. And, you know, it's interesting because I had, uh, from my understanding and what I've read, alcoholism is not anything that can be prescribed or you can't go to a doctor and be told that you, you have alcoholism. It's not a real thing. This is something that was, it's, it's this blanket term that was created back in the 20s, 30s, whenever AA started. Um, but there's nothing to say that yes, this is alcoholism, da, 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 da. What happens is, is for me, you're talking about the addiction part of it. It's like a cognitive adaptation is what they call it. So your brain, it's not really a brain disorder, but when we start using certain coping mechanisms, whether it's drinking or eating, we start like laying the pathway for that. And so that becomes our adaptive behavior. So I say I'm not an alcoholic. I say I'm an overdrinker because I think that's probably more of an accurate um, description or a boozer. I'll say that too. I, I definitely, but my problem is I think I have that addictive behavior that, that I could do that with just about anything. I think it's funny because like I, I think I have a problem with the word alcoholic. And I think the reason I have it is because it is very limiting in what I think it makes people think. Um, And I, I think that all addictions, so whether again, I've said like food, cigarettes, there is a community of people that are struggling with coping with life and with the pain that comes with that and some emptiness and holes. And we're all trying to find ways to like fill it and we're filling it with things like alcohol and food And I think if we could all come together and share, like I was amazed at how much, and it was Christine. I mean, Kathleen, you know, Christine, she stopped smoking. It was an amazing when she said those comments about like it being like an old friend and then confronting the old self. It was like, these feelings are true among people who are using all kinds of coping mechanisms. And Angela, you said it, you know, rewiring your brain because you remember how good it felt. When that first drink goes down your throat and it calms you right down or you ate that piece of food or for Christine when she smokes the cigarette. It's like it's the same. And I think creating these words uh, for all these people on their different addictions 
it separates us and it makes it sound like it's a disease. And I, I think it is, but I also think that there is a community of people that we're all the same. We're all dependent on something to not feel what we need to feel. Amen. And that's like, yeah. And, and I think to, to affirm a negative term to me, it's like, we've talked about this before. It's, I only want to affirm things that are positive. I am healthy. I'm well. I am sober. I'm not going to sit there and affirm I'm an alcoholic. My name's Angela. I'm going to no, thank you. I, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that at the baseline of all of this, we all are doing whatever habit we're doing because we probably have low self-esteem. It probably has something to do with a parent, uh, not to blame parents, but probably how we were raised and the behavior in that home. And I'm sure that, you know, adult children of alcoholics are no different than, than adult children of smokers or adult, you know what I mean? Because they grew up in that same kind of household more than likely. But, but yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So just to put it in context, how much would you guys drink and when? You want to go first? Do you yeah, want me to go first? Actually, mine would usually be, I would say, three to five times a week. And if it was a five time a week, usually three out of those five would be pretty mellow. Like, I don't think anyone would consider it a drinking problem. It would be like two to three glasses of wine. But I would say once a week there would always be a night where I would go like way beyond that I don't know that I would count it (laughs) I know that I would refill my glass quite a few times and I would isolate so that was like the other interesting part about alcohol for me I I would isolate myself and then I think I mentioned this before there would also be probably like once a month once every other month and maybe even fewer or far between where I would have like a full on just you know, I'd be with friends and I would start drinking at three in the afternoon and we yep. wouldn't stop till 12 a.m. And I, you know, more recently would would black out because it's blacking out means you are losing brain <laughs> brain cells. Um, and so uh, that was probably my most recent blackout, which happened about, I guess, a month and a half ago now would have been the moment that I started really being like, what, what's happening? What am I doing? What am I doing to my mind? And what am I doing to my body? Right. And, and yeah, I totally, I mean, I didn't count either. I mean, it's like, why do I need to count and who cares? But I can tell you that I can easily plow through a minimum of two bottles. I was drinking when we first got here. No, I was drinking every day, but not, and then it just progresses, right? Your tolerance gets higher And then I started working and I was around this scene where that was, it was drinking after work and everybody loved to drink. And so then it was like, that became the focus. And so then I was drinking even more and I could, and then I would turn, I would either do vodka or I would do white wine. Vodka, I could plow through that. I'd put three shots in a glass and I'd I'd drink probably five or six of those in one, you know, in a night, easy peasy. And I didn't black out all the time. Most of the time I'm high functioning for sure. And there were a couple of days that I would have shakes. I, and that was only over the past two years that I would wake up and then it would be like, holy cow. And I was in my mind, um, my mom has familial tremors, you know, so there, my brother has them too. And that's a real thing. But I was in my mind justifying that that's what it was. And I know darn well, it wasn't, I know that I was getting, you know, shakes from alcohol 
um, withdrawal. And, you know, they're one of the most recent nights. Um, I did blackout, but I, I fell in the shower. Um, I broke my toe while I was drunk because I decided I would go down to the beach and I'd been drinking all day long because I was off and all of that and broke my damn toe. I mean, it's, it's like, but then I would sit there and this, it got worse and worse over the past, like the last six months of drinking and I was trying to stop and then somebody visit and I'd use that as an excuse or whatever. But yeah, I was plowing through. I'm, I got a lot more money now. <laughs> yes. And that's sure. not saying a lot, but, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's an expensive habit. But, but what were you like, why would you drink? Like, I guess where was your mental state of like, why? Like, can you pinpoint like your thoughts or your feelings or no, they're both shaking their head. No. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, will say, I think for when I, you know, God, for me, I started when I was a teenager. So like, it's hard to pinpoint like the origination of the problem, probably to be cool. <laughs> um, but then, you know, especially because when you're young, you do have anxiety and stuff like that. I think I realized like it was a way to be more myself. It was a way to be more comfortable in my skin. It was a way to dance and not worry and think that I was cool enough. And then as I got older, I think that more like not showing my emotions when I was feeling them. Um, when I was angry, it was so much easier than having to express that emotion. It was so much easier to just go fill up a glass yeah. of wine and drink it because it is effective. I think like the biggest that and is, the best yeah. thing I've heard is like, it's effective. <laughs> Alcohol works. Like, I know that sounds terrible. No one wants to hear that. It's, it's a depression. It'll calm you right down. <laughs> it is. And, but it's, isn't it true though? Like, it's like the first two, but anything beyond two, then it's not. And that's when I was like, if I could just have two, that'd be awesome. And I don't know about you, but I've tried moderate drinking and I'm completely fail at that. I've, I will say like my goal, and I, I said this, my dream is to get to a point. And I, I do think I have it. I'm hoping that I caught this kind of soon enough. But my dream is to get to a point where, you know, I go months without drinking. And then if someone wants to go to a vineyard, I can do a tasting. Um, right. But that is kind of like the goal, that kind of savoring feeling. But, you know, right now we're just at a stage of really trying not to. The the one thing that's interesting to it, I want to say, is that I think it's fascinating that alcohol does work to calm anxiety and then triggers it way back up in the morning. And I think that's like the biggest thing that like I had to learn is like it, almost training my mind in the moment where I do want to drink. Because, of course, I still want to drink. Like there's... Like, I'm not going to lie about it. You know, there are days where you're having a rough day and and we're quarantined right now. Like, what else are we doing? (laughs) Um, But, you know, you want to, you you want to take a drink, but then I am able to either say like, well, is it worth the lost sleep? Because I'm really enjoying the sleep game. And then is it worth feeling like angry? Because for some reason, alcohol not only calms anger at night, but brings it out full force in the morning. I'm not sure what that trigger is. I'm still trying to figure that out. And you will. I mean, I think as days go by and, and cause the main thing is, I, I think especially these first 60 days for me have been, it's about self care. We're learning how to take care of ourselves. And through the years, like I've, 
Oh, and you ask why I drank. I drank for every reason. Happy, sad. I drank at people like, oh, they're such an asshole. You know, <laughs> that's all like, oh, can you believe them? Oh, you know, it's just like it, it, for anything. It was it was just, it's sport and I was good at it. But, you know, I cannot I cannot. It's easier for me not to drink. And that's what I've realized, that I don't have the capability to moderate and I feel so good right now. I just, I don't want to go back to that. And I, like I said, I, I just, I can't keep repeating the same behavior patterns for me. And so I've, I've got to keep on keeping on. And, and I, I know that I cannot, I'm just incapable. I go big. So <laughs> I, I just can't do it. Can't do it. So how does that affect your relationships, friendships, husbands, family? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's so funny, like the similarity, yeah. I'm looking at their faces. <laughs> it's uh-huh. like, it, they it, both it, have the it, same it, reaction. It, it's true to you. And, and I would recommend the blog, if you haven't looked at it, the Tired of Thinking About Drinking is from Bell, and it's just like you and me and people writing these stories and you can sign up for free emails and you get them and you're just like, is somebody in my house? This is nuts. Um, because you know, we all have to have that first sober sex. We have to have, you you know, that first uncomfortable time whenever you decline an invitation somewhere, you feel like you've been a phony or this is me. I feel like I've been a phony to people all this time. And it's like, I feel like I'm almost schizophrenic because then all of a sudden I'm not going to be that party girl. Am I going to be fun anymore? You know, you, it affects every aspect of your life. I think. I think saying the schizophrenic thing is hysterical because you do <laughs> you feel like you've got multiple personalities in yeah. your brain because you do you know you were this kind of like drinking fun over the top kind of person and I uh, luckily was like a pretty happy drunker um Me too. that's why everybody liked liked us too yeah um and so for people to find out that like you weren't part of the party like <laughs> you weren't enjoying it like you were struggling a lot it's hard on relationships information but like sober sex is everything (laughs) i will give you that but Um, it is because you you're fully present yeah yep and uh friendships that's tough because if they're friends you've been drinking with it's i mean for me they're really having a hard time with it I mean, I think I get asked on a day-to-day basis like are you able to come over for a glass of wine just like one i'm like yeah, no, we can go on a walk, <laughs> go on a walk. And the truth is, is some of those friendships are probably going to fall by the wayside because that's really all there was to it. Those are hard things. Those have been hard things for me to kind of swallow is that there will be lost friendships. And my family has been good about it, which is interesting because they are drinkers, but they've been very supportive and like trying not to drink around me or like my sister went out and bought all kinds of non-alcoholic drinks. Oh, nice. So, that is sweet. Yeah. But I think you're right. And and I think typically we drinkers are very oversens- overly sensitive people by nature. I think we're very aware of the climate in the room. We're, we're usually empaths that are reading people. And so you want everybody to feel good. So you're so worried about that, that you don't want to do anything that wouldn't make somebody feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the only people that really get triggered or what I'm finding personally are the ones that it 
the people that probably are struggling with their own drinking problems are the ones that are going to get the most defensive uh, when you, you quit. I've, I've found that to be true. And they'll either back away or they're going to be like, what do you mean? You know, and kind of be confrontational. But I feel like for the most part, people, people who are normal drinkers, they're going to be like, whatever, you know, you're not going to drink. That's okay. Cool. They, we're the ones making the big deal out of it because that's all we thought about was like, what are we going to pair with this hot dog? That's going to be amazing. You know, it's like anything was an, a, an excuse to create a new drink, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Jen, yeah. you said something earlier about it was a way to be more yourself, mm-hmm. but it, I think you found that that's not really true, right? Cause you are not really who you are when you were drinking. Right. I think one right? of, yes, one of the, I think most probably, and I'll, I'll say it's beautiful because I will say for anyone who hears this or is listening, the first part of not drinking sucks. I mean, it's it the does. Worst. It sucks it, it, there's no part of it that feels good. You have to have a pretty clear mind that you want to do it because it's terrible. But I think like once you get past that, I would say the first 10 days and your mind starts to clear like you actually have bigger self-esteem and you actually are stronger than you know. And self-care is the so worth it. It's so nice to treat yourself well and drink water and like make the choice to drink water. So like there's just some things that are kind of amazing. I did say to be more myself because I think when we're young and I think for me that was kind of the sad story that it started very, very young for me. I mean, it probably started in ninth grade is that you're trying to develop and you're getting feedback from lots of people that you're not good enough, whether it's boys or friends or the mirror. (laughs) And like, you're just telling yourself every day that you're not pretty enough. You're not good enough. And then you find this thing, which in my case was alcohol and you drink it and it makes you feel like superwoman. It did. You know, when you're young, it made me feel like I was pretty. Like, you wouldn't even look in the mirror when you were drunk. And you're like, yeah. Right. Like, even if you look terrible, you'd wake up the next day and be like, wait, what? That is not but the thing. I was an attitude. <laughs> it was a 10 last night and I woke yeah. up as a 2. How did that happen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Broken toe. So, like, that was what it was. And then it's funny because you're chasing that feeling for the rest of your life. Is You're chasing that feeling of being. And they say that. They say that it rewires your brain into thinking that you had found, like, this little nugget of, like, goodness that made you feel good. And you're chasing that memory and you never get it back. And that's why people drink more and more and more because they just want to feel good and calm, like, the first time they drink. It's true for heroin addicts. It's true for anyone. It just, like, gives you this feeling we're like, you're enough. You feel enough. And I think that's what we're all after. It's probably. true. No, I agree with you. And I, I was last week, I said, I can remember the first drink of alcohol. I mean, I remember my dad's beer and I hated that, but communion wine. I remember my first communion and the way that that, that wine felt when it went down and I loved it. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I, I believe, yes, there's stuff in our DNA and granted my, my dad was an alcoholic and, um, but I think we can change that behavior pattern, but absolutely. Then as I got into that awkward, I was always like a weirdo anyway, I was always an oddball. And so, yeah, when I finally got invited to a party and drank and everybody was like, oh, wow, she's so much fun. You do, you start thinking, oh, wow. And then it's, it spirals. And then pretty soon you're, 
And it's like a whole identity creation. Like I just, when you were saying it was like being outside of myself, like it is really like, it's almost like for me, it's every memory. If you go back to childhood friends, like it is every single memory was me at some kind of party and some kind of drunken insanity. And it like creates this, I would say it's a, a very safe identity of a party girl that no one really knows who she is, but like she parties a lot. And right. that it was like who I was that became my persona. Yes. And then that's, but I can tell you that like the, I, I was grumpy first 30 days for sure. And, and it was hard. Like I told Tad, you know, I said, this is not about you. I, um, but I need to like, I had to retreat. I had to, I was really just in this space where I was pissed a little bit confused. And then I felt like once I hit that 30 days, I started I started feeling like finding myself again. I started like my memory was better. I I know that I I drank so heavily that I know I know that that we remain sober. I think it's going to be an opportunity for us to remember what we loved. And the beautiful thing is we're going to have more hours in the day to pursue those things, you know? Because I'm like my days are so long. I love it. Okay. I said that exact I, oh, I said to Christine the other day, I was texting her. I'm like, it's amazing how much you can get done in a day when you are not drunk. It, it, um, because it's a lazy thing. I mean, really, it is. It's a lazy thing. It's like a, it, it was the reason to drink was because you were trying to relax. And then you would drink a couple. And then you'd be like, all right, well, I'm just going to go sit in my room and listen to music. And it was like the biggest time waster. Now it's like I had time to go on a bike ride, go on a walk with my with Raina, you know, read a book like. I'm endless. My energy is like endless. And you <laughs> feel your skin. I, I don't know about you. Like, well, I mean, I'm broken out a little bit, but, but my skin feels better. I, I'm just like, I, and I'm willing to look at things head on that I didn't, um, before, like, I don't, I didn't even want to look at myself in the mirror. I didn't want to deal with any of that because it was like, Oh, I, I just can't even face it. And so it's, it's been really eye opening about what self, I hate to say self-hatred, but you know, definitely low self-esteem that I think is going to take some time to heal, but I feel more hopeful about that now than I did when I was drinking. I think the self-hatred is, I was thinking that exact word, so I'll use it. Okay. Was that I think the alcohol created more of that than I ever thought. Because you're right. There was like just moments where you'd look in the mirror during your, it and you almost like didn't even want to look at yourself. And mm-hmm. you were like, let me just keep going with life the way it is because this is all there is to it. And like there was like just a, a demise kind of mm-hmm. feeling, this very low like hopeless there like there was just all these words you could throw out and what's fascinating and like the, the saddest part is like you don't even know that that's what it is like when you're in it you would never admit to anyone that it's the mm-hmm. alcohol never and then you get out of it especially for me the anxiety and the depression it like is almost like did i literally create depression and anxiety via drinking my entire childhood and maybe not because I agree like I am an empath I'm an emotional person I'm sensitive you know when it's my time of the month I'm a total asshole like that's just who I am right but alcohol was absolutely contributing to all of those factors being worsened by a million percent well and don't you well and 
there is no, it's poison. It basically is. There's there, And it's so socially acceptable and crammed down our throats now that it's, it's also, it's like, it is just as addictive as drugs. And you don't see people forcing, you know, people to, like you said, heroin. I mean, that's, come on. It's, it can be, it can destroy as many families as that does. Alcohol is just as bad for that. And, and honestly, it's, it's killing us. It's truly killing us. But because it's so socially accepted and because there's so much money that's plowed into that, there's no way that uh, it's ever going to get poo-pooed. Um, there's this book called We're the Luckiest, and it right. is unbelievable. Right. Um, yeah. And she does talk about like the marketing ploy of alcohol and specifically to women to make women feel yes. sexier and more powerful. And I was like, yes to all of those things because one of the thoughts and I guess I'm still battling it a little was like when you take away kind of the alcohol and like even that like charming little glance you get when you drink and just like who you think you are when you're drinking you think like am I sexy anymore am I fun yeah am I fun to be around and like those elements are so tightly wound <laughs> with alcohol and the way it's sold to us that like, it's almost disconnecting yourself from what society is telling you and like kind of connecting to a deeper knowledge because it's not, unfortunately I don't think you find it in the public eye very often because no one wants to talk about it. No, but there's more and more celebrities getting sober now, Yes, uh, which is really interesting. And I don't know if it's just my age demographic or what, but like I saw a quote from Ben Affleck and he was talking about, you know, at first people think, oh, you're going to have to take all these things away. But in the reality, you are adding so much more to your life by, by being sober. And it's almost the same principle, I think, is spiritual awakening in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, we, you can know that these things, these concepts are going on and then you're like, oh, they just, they just don't know any better. And it's the same thing with sobriety that I'm noticing. It's like, people think that's the only way to cope. And it's not until you get some distance between you and that booze that you can start analyzing and going, you know what, I actually feel better without it. But you have to get that distance and then kind of get that momentum going right with the before you're able to kind of get in literally the right state of mind to to analyze and 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 understand what really was at the root of the problem. And alcohol was it. But how, <laughs> but how did you know that, at what point did you know that it was alcohol was the problem? Oh, I tried to get sober when, how old was Stuart? He was, he was in kindergarten. So I'm talking like 20 something years ago. Easy. 20 years ago. I've known that I had a problem. And but then I mean, I but what tells you you have a problem? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that doesn't think it's a problem, that it doesn't affect your body or your mind or your health or anything like that. They just don't see it as a problem. So at what point was it something that just you knew intuitively that it was a problem or did something happen or you wanted to say, well, maybe it is a problem. Let me take it out and see what happens. I just felt like it was so consuming in my mind that it's not healthy and, and it's it, it just was wedging my experience. I think I just knew, I knew like on some cellular level that it just wasn't normal for me to be thinking about it that much. But yeah, I, I guess 
and the first I did go to AA, and that was in Charlottesville in 2000, 2001, 2000. So it's been that long that I've been wanting to stop drinking. I don't know about for you, Jen. Well, I, so like I said, I started when I was young and like I actually had my first like alcohol class when I was, I was in high school because I think they knew right away. Like I was drinking to excess way more than my peers. And it was obvious after that, I kind of just went along my life and I found myself in social groups where again, like I was drinking less than they were. So I was fine. For me, I think it was always in the back of my mind that I might be drinking too much. And because I do, I am a spiritual person. I think I was always aware in all of the books I was reading, every single book I read about anything, whether it was Ayurveda or Reiki or uh-huh. Kathleen about like elevating your mind and that you can't have any substances. I always was thinking like, these don't match. Like my goal to get to this more peaceful, happy place doesn't match. And if everybody is saying something's wrong with alcohol, maybe I should stop drinking. But I wasn't, I didn't think I was like ready to go on a sober journey. I, I honestly didn't. I had a really rough night, got very, very ill and thought enough's enough. Let me stop for a few days. When I got into day four and had what I would consider moderate withdrawal physically, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, obviously I have a problem. If mm-hmm. I am now not able to eat am literally unable to sleep. I went three full days without sleeping when I went out drinking, um, which caused me to then go batshit crazy. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Hello. Like an insane woman. And I think after I went through that week, when I came out of it and started sleeping again, and you can really contrast the difference because you're like, and I had never had sleep so good in my life. Sleep was really the identifier, honestly, for me was all of a sudden I was able to sleep through the night. And I have never slept through the night since I was a teenager. So wonderful. <laughs> I'm like, so, so this would be the key. <laughs> and if you know, and I, it's like, I never want another day one. I never want another day one because it's it's like, it's not worth it. And so I, I want that memory to be, you know, just etched in my mind. It's like, you never want to wake up feeling that way again. That horrible feeling angry at yourself, angry at whatever. And I'm like, I'm done with that. But I was like, yeah, I mean, it was like one of those things. It's like, okay, I'm done. It was like, I just was like, this is it. It wasn't big fanfare. It wasn't, it, but it had gradually been going on, you know, and I tried to start this hundred day sober thing on the first of the year. And like I told Kathleen, you know, I don't like people telling me when to start things. So, you know, it's like, I don't want to start on New Day to tell me what to do. You know, I, it was like, whatever, it's crazy talk in my mind is what it is. But it was like just a random day, like a Tuesday whatever it was. And it's like, okay, I'm just not going to do it. But it was hard. It was hard. And it was, and it signing up to commit to her and be like, okay, I I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be accountable to somebody. And I guess that's what I needed. And somebody who's not going to go sweet on me, because again, it's, it's that like the friends that say, oh, you don't, you're fine. You don't have a problem. You know, I know I need somebody to go, you know what? Yeah. And your, your behavior, the way you're acting, your thoughts toward, you know, your husband or this, this pitifulness, somebody needs to call me out on it personally, because I've learned to really adapt. Right. Well, 
alcohol does let you fall into a victim mindset, I think, very quickly. It yeah. has, like it'll feed you like reasons for like why it's okay that you drink and why everybody else is wrong and you are right. It's a super um, victim, I think. It, for me, at least, it kept me way weaker than I am. Uh, the the <laughs> more sober Jen is much like stronger. And honestly, I don't put up with a lot of shit. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Because it's like we're not worried about masking that, like, everybody's okay. In fact, yesterday was I was on a call with my brothers, and my sister-in-law, she really insulted my intelligence. And I'm very sensitive anyway. And normally I would have, like, not made a big deal of it. And I was just like, I, I was like, I don't, I don't have time for that. Like, I just totally ignored her the rest of the time because I was like, I... I really don't have this this space anymore in my life for that. I've only got space for good things. And and I'm with you. I'm just like, I'm not tolerating it anymore. It's empowering. Very empowering. For sure. And so what would you, what tips or where would you, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about becoming sober curious or is just starting their journey? Like where, what resources would you recommend? Go for it, Jim. You know, what, what, you... what uh, practices would you recommend? I'll start with the two books that I really do think are important. One is called Sober Curious and one is called We Are the Luckiest. Both, I think, are two people that were, I would say, mostly high functioning. While We Are the Luckiest, she's not fully high functioning. She definitely was like in the throes of it but fascinating books, tools or things you could do. For me, working out has been very important. So being outdoors specifically, um, connecting to nature, meditation, and then having friends that are not drinking friends. So that's been huge for me. Like you need to be able to call people that don't want to talk about going and getting a drink. You do spend more time alone. I will say that, and but it's healthy and it's good for processing. And I think the blanket advice I'd give is is the first 10 days suck. They're terrible. But if you get through them, which I would hope most people do, the light at the end, end of the tunnel is a light. I don't think you would ever know how like good it feels because it really does feel good to like be in your own mind, have a better memory, feel clear, and like be able to look towards the future. Oh, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And for me, um, the books that I read was um, The um, Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. And then that led me to read, and actually Belle's Tired of Thinking About Drinking. She has an audio book, and I kind of like listening to those just because it makes it it easier to, I can do housework and put my headphones on, kick the drink easily. I read that as well, but I love reading the blog post. But I think for me, the most important thing was to line up the treats. So you have a treat for being sober, like every two days, maybe for the every day for that first week, because it's so hard and it doesn't have to be anything big, but it's like you make the act of saying, I I was sober today. I am going to buy this Us magazine and read this trashy stuff, and it's going to be my treat, you know, but to have those and, and then have bigger treats for that 30 and 60 day and already have those planned. And it sounds crazy, but it's self-care, and we haven't been taking care of ourselves. 
And the physical exercise, that was really big. And I was doing just the simple yoga morning and night because that helped me change my routine. Because nighttime, it it took me a while to, I I did dinner at a different time. So shake that up. Don't feel like you've got to be cooking dinner. You need to lay lay off of doing your chores and let the laundry go. That doesn't matter. The most important thing is just sleeping a lot and trying to take care of yourself during that first two weeks, maybe we should say, but treat yourself and be loving to yourself. Yeah. I think that's, that's what it's about. It's learning to treat ourselves with the kind of kindness that we've been treating other people. Well, that's great. Well, thank you, ladies. I just want to say we've been talking for 50 minutes, five zero. So <laughs> I told Jen, it goes by fast. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> crazy. I know. I know. If you don't have any, do you have any uh, last thoughts? Come to the other side. Come to it. (laughs) Try it out. (laughs) Well, good. Well, thank you, ladies. I love you guys so much. I appreciate you sharing your your experience and your journey for this episode and this podcast. We love you, too. Thank you for listening to the No Regrets podcast with Kate. Be sure to subscribe. You can find this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or your favorite listening app. Please be sure to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at No Regrets Podcast with Kate.